Hey there, Amanda Smith here, and welcome inside this week's edition of How She Did It. As always, so happy to have you here with me. If you're returning, thanks for coming back. And if you're new here, this is very important. Before you go, make sure you hit that subscribe button. So today's guest is the writer of Power Plays and a co-host on the Burn It All Down podcast. We talk about that and so much more on this week's episode. Here is Lindsay Gibbs. Amanda Smith here with Lindsay Gibbs. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We have a lot to talk about. Huge fan of yours. Uh, so you are currently a freelance sports reporter, and I'm reading through a list of all the media outlets you've been a contributor to. Uh, there's The Athletic, Bleacher Report, ESPN, NPR, New York Times. I mean, like the list literally goes on and on. But in October of 2019, you started Power Plays, which you describe as a no BS newsletter about sexism in sports. With all the work that you do, what was your drive in wanting to start your own platform? Well, I had freelanced for years. That's how I got into sports writing was through a freelance background. And then in 2015, I actually got a full-time job at a site called Think Progress, working as the sports reporter there. So for uh, four years, I got to work full-time on the intersection of sports and culture and write fully about that. And I did, I still did some freelancing on the side. Um, my deal with them was pretty much, you know, anything that was big picture, um, a, a big picture look at the sports and politics world would go on the site. But um, I, I did a lot of beat reporting for WNBA games, you know, player profiles and things like that for The Athletic and for other outlets because they weren't, you know, wouldn't be a fit for Think Progress. So I had kept freelancing, um, especially during the WNBA season, while I was at Think Progress. But last September, Think Progress was shut down by our parent organization, the Center for American Progress. So I was, um, you know, one of the many journalists who was suddenly looking at, you know, a life of unemployment. And um, I, I had no idea what was next. I kind of built this name for myself in this space and worked so hard, but, and I knew my favorite thing that I'd done with it was I got to focus on women's sports a lot and the structural issues in women's sports and the activism within women's sports. And, um, you know, I, I was probably at least half of what I wrote about at Think Progress. And so I really wanted to continue that. Um, and I had a couple options. I could go the freelancing route, go back to full-time freelancing, or um, I was connected to this group at Substack, who is, which is a newsletter um, organization. And they were trying to recruit some writers to devote themselves full time to, um, you know, developing audiences for newsletters. And I had a couple of contacts I had had were having very, a lot of success in the um, newsletter space, though none with women's sports. And so I pitched them um, a very loose definition of power plays and ended up working, you know, ended up deciding I'm going to go full time into this. This isn't going to be my part time. I'm really, I really haven't done any freelancing since I might do a little bit here and there. Um, but for the past five months, I've just fully dedicated myself to launching power plays. So it's like you said, no, no BS 
newsletter about sexism in sports uh, really looks at the structural issues um, and kind of ties the fights that we all have, be it in media, be it in women's cricket, be it in women's basketball, be it on the, you know, you side, the pro side, whatever, just tries to tie all of those together and connect this community. And it's been my favorite thing I've ever done. It's been wonderful. What was it that drew you specifically to wanting to write and advocate for women's sports? Well, so I actually, like, I come from a very, um, for this uh, job, I come from a very kind of unconventional background. I didn't grow up a huge women's sports fan. I just wasn't exposed to them, really. You know, I, I watched tennis. I love women's tennis because I would watch it when I would watch men's tennis, and then I got to, really got to love it. And then I would watch the Olympics and get got to know a, little, a lot of female athletes then. But mainly, I was kind of your typical. I love the NFL. I grew up in um, North Carolina, so I was a big ACC men's basketball fan. And, you know, I would watch a lot of sports center and I was exposed to the sports I was exposed to. Um, but then uh, as I got older, I actually went to film school and a lot of the studies I did in film school um, beyond uh, narrative stuff was about how do we um, perceive women and how does media impact how we perceive women? And I saw a lot of that through the movie world and through television and how, um, you know, female characters are always written through men but then I started to see it in the sports world too and I started to really question my biases and so it started with tennis where I would see how differently um, the media would talk about women's tennis versus men's tennis and then I started saying why don't I watch women's basketball you know why don't I watch uh, more women's soccer why don't I why aren't I exposed to these things because I love sports and so I started really going out of my um out of my comfort zone, learning more about women's sports, writing more about women's sports. Um, it was a space I could distinguish myself because there weren't as many voices doing it. And more than anything, I just loved telling the stories. And so kind of as my career grew, I kept you know actively making it a bigger part of my career because I just loved to tell these stories so much. And because I think I come from it from a unique angle of, really um i started looking at women's sports through a systemic lens so i think that helps the way i talk about them a lot yeah i was reading on your website then you said you pretty much spend your life thinking about researching and reporting on gender power and intersectionality in sports like you said as you've learned more what have been some of those more maybe eye-opening and surprising findings that you've discovered I think it's actually how we, how intentional so many of these choices have been throughout history to keep women's sports on the margins and how we assume we're led to believe if you're just casually paying attention that it's just market forces and fan interests, which is why women's women's sports aren't as big as men's sports. But in reality, it's been decades upon decades of decision making by people in positions of power, be it advertisers, be it, um, you know, the people at the, the head of these federations, be it um, television powers. I mean, this, you know, old boys network, it sounds stereotypical, but it's true. And, you know, the media tells us what to care about. And it's, we're all really busy. It's hard to go around that. You know? <laughs> People think, oh, well, you can still just like find it. Um, and that's, I get really mad about the argument that 
you know, women's sports aren't as successful because more women don't support them. And of course I want more women to support women's sports, but women consume the same media that, that men do that <laughs> tells them that women's sports aren't important, right? Like it's not like women, uh, you know, get sent completely different messages about, you know, what sports matter and stuff than men do. Um, and so I think for me, and this is one thing I really just try and focus on in the newsletter, is the intentionality that has led to where we are today in women's sports on both sides. Everything that female athletes have today, they have had to fight tooth and nail for. And as we see with whether it be the WNBA still fighting their you know, collective bargaining agreements with the NBA, whether it be U.S. women's soccer team with U.S. soccer, you see even at the height of their successes, these women are still having to fight for basic respect from the people in charge of their sports. And it's intentional pushes by them that are able to get them more. So that's what time and time again, I see the same narratives play out throughout um, women's sports. And um, honestly, I'm in, both infuriated and inspired by both sides of the coin every time. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about some of the focuses that you mention in your newsletter. You also are a co-host on a podcast. We're all about podcasts here. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Burn It All Down pod. What are some of the issues and topics you and your co-hosts discussed there and what was kind of the creativity behind wanting to start? Yeah, so we are going on about three years of podcast right now, which is mind-boggling. We haven't missed a week. Um, so Burn All Down is a feminist sports podcast. Uh, it's myself and four other co-hosts, um, Dr. Mary Rose Davis and Dr. Brenda Elsie, um, both professors, and um, Jessica Luther and Shereen Ahmed, both uh, freelance sports reporters. And we um, started, like I said, about three years ago, and each week we just kind of talk about the biggest events in sports through an intersectional feminist lens. Um, we, uh, we talk about men's sports and women's sports. Um, you know, we give a lot of space to women's sports, but we also will talk about the NFL draft. You know, we're also just sports fans. So whereas the newsletter specifically focuses on women's sports, um, the podcast, you know, does all sports issues across all sports. And it's really fun. We just come together, we share our thoughts and opinions. We have an interview each week on the podcast. And um, one of our main goals is to just lift up different voices within the sports world, because, you know, sports, as you know, I'm sure sports podcasting and um, sports, um, you know, sports radio is probably the whitest and most male dominated like, <laughs> media industry there is. I mean, if you look at the, the top 100, like sports podcasts on iTunes, you know, it is like 95% white men. And so we just want to bring different voices to that space. And we, we love it. We haven't um, had a uh, cisgender man on to interview uh, in three years. We, we keep saying if like we need it for the topic, we, you know, we're open to it, but we always look for, um, you know, someone of a marginalized gender first before we, um, and we've always been able to find someone to talk on the topic. So I think our point with that is that the voices and the expertise are out there, no matter what you want to talk about in sports. And, and we, we love being able to bring, lift up those voices. That's really awesome. And you said you haven't missed a week in three years. 
Yeah. So, it, you know, there's a rotating <laughs> cast of us for five years. Or there's five of us, so that helps. So, you know, we record the same time every week, and it's kind of whoever can make it makes it, you know? Um, yeah. But, yeah, we, I mean, we have um, we have a Patreon where people help uh, people's contributions make sure that we're not um, – that we're able to spend money on editing and social media help and a little producing so we don't make money off of it, but we, we don't spend money either. And, you know, because we're able to pay for these services, it makes it easier to get it out on a regular – basis and so that's been wonderful and yeah we just um we love it and uh, you know, we do usually we take a little break around the holidays and we do two best of episodes you know at the end of each year but other than that yeah um a new episode every single week i was reading on power plays that women's sports receive four percent of all sports media coverage and women account for 13 percent of all sports reporters and editors where and or what do you think it starts with to increase those percentages? I think it comes with everybody doing their part, right? Like, um, I have this challenge that's called, like, the quest for 33% when it comes to women's sports coverage. Um, it's changed a little bit now since there are no live sports. It's a little bit harder to monitor <laughs> sports coverage. Uh, so we're a little bit on pause with that tracking project. But the main goal is, like, we're not pushing for 50% overnight. We know there are more, uh, you know, more men's sports leagues, you know, going on. But the thing is, like, the difference between 4% and 15% is huge. The difference between 15% and 20% is huge. And, you know, if everyone can kind of do their part to bring more of these um, women's sports stories to the front, maybe, and, you know, I'm always challenging people, maybe you're a local reporter and you work at a local newspaper and you guys don't have resources to cover all the women's sports and everything, but you make it your goal to like once a week, make sure there's a women's sports story on the cover of the sports page, you know, or yeah. even just include, um, gender neutral language or gender specific language like don't just talk about march madness as um basketball and think it's a default to men's if you're talking about men's basketball say men's basketball if you're talking about women's basketball say women's basketball um little things like that that i'm trying to get people to cognitively think about obviously we're not going to get there overnight um, but like I said, it took intention out, intentional steps to get us to the marginalized space that women's sports occupy today. And it's going to take intentional steps to get us out of here. Like, um, and I think, you know, a lot of ESPN, you know, uh, people follow me and, and I've heard from them privately, you know, it just, even if they can question themselves once and bring up Sabrina Ionescu on a show once more than they thought they could before, that makes a difference, right? It doesn't have to be. You don't have to change everything all at once. This is going to take people from inside these systems and outside these systems, you know, fighting to, um, you know, it both make more room for women in sports coverage and at, on the, you know, behind the scenes and in making sure women's sports is valued in front of the scenes. And if it's done, you know, I mean, people, honestly, people are not going to notice if you go from, uh, you know, four percent to ten percent right <laughs> and then, then maybe creep up to twelve percent then thirteen percent right it's not like it's going to drastically alter the consumers lives overnight but that slow gradual change can make a big 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 difference there's a lot of work to do as we 
continue to move closer to inclusivity. But I like how you said it's really just going to come from from everyone being more yeah. aware and, and more conscious of even, you know, just in your brain. Like you said, if you're thinking of the NCAA tournament, well, that goes with men's and women's basketball just because it's March. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're all inside. What's going on? Um, but... <laughs> That's why I brought up that. <laughs> right? I'm like, what month is it? I'm confused. <laughs> but but just being more conscious and more aware, I think, is a really good message. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to... I just like for me, because that's where my change come from, right? Like it was when I started to question my own biases, you know, right? um, And so I think maybe that's why sometimes I have a little more patience with people who haven't um, uh, explored, you know, haven't thought about things critically, Um, you know, now. I don't have patience with everyone, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just about being open to thinking about things a little bit differently. And I think the cool thing is, and like we deal with this on Burn It All Down, like one of the great things about looking at men's and women's sports for topics to talk about each week and kind of looking at them on equal footing is there's, it gives you so many more great stories to choose from, right? It gives you so many more, so much more drama. Like you don't have to talk about the exact same thing every single uh, show, right? It gives you more good stories to choose from. And uh, shouldn't everybody in sports be looking for that? I know that we are all social distancing and quarantining. So with our extra free time, we're like, how can we stay attached to sports before we play our game this week? Go ahead and tell everyone where they can find your newsletter and how they can access your podcast. Yeah, so Burn It All Down is on any podcast platform you are looking for. So just to put in Burn It All Down and we will be there. Um, and Power Plays, if you go to powerplays.news, once again, that's powerplays.news, you can subscribe. Right now we are holding, um, uh, There's each week there's a mix of free newsletters and paid newsletters. Um, Right now, there's a Maya Moore special, which is 23% off in, in honor of Miss Maya Moore's number 23. Um, and I know it's a really tough time financially for everyone. So that's going to be kind of um, for the long run. But that's bringing our prices down to it's just like a little over $50 for a year worth of the subscription or about $6 a month if you're going the monthly route. And I also want to say we have people offering a lot to donate subscriptions and um, so if you are unable to pay, but want to be a part of this community, um, one, like I do a lot of things for paid subscribers, such as like, we're, we're hosting a monthly book club. So we're, that's, uh, we're kind of executing that for the first time this month, reading Sum It Up by Pat, um, the Pat Summit autobiography. Um, and so, you know, if you want to be a part of, um, kind of discussion threads in the community, but you can't afford it reach out to me because a lot of times people will donate um, subscriptions. And um, yeah, but even if you can just sign up for the free list right now, and that's all you want to do, powerplace.news. And um, I'm really working during this time to give um, some of the money that I'd allotted for travel to um, freelancers to help um, keep people working and writing during this time when there are no women's sports, no sports at all. And um, I'm really just excited for the response to that, for how many great stories I have coming out from contributors. And I want to keep growing this platform because I I want to keep, um, you know, kind of lifting up the whole community with me and connecting the whole community with me as it grows 
have you previously read Sum It Up? Yes. Or is yes. this your first time? Yes, I had read it before. Okay, um, it is one of my this. favorite books ever. It's so good. It's like, so good. You'll laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> it's so good. And it's just such a good look at the history of women's basketball too, right? Through totally. Just such a pioneer. And I loved getting to go back and reread it because it had been a few years. And I know women's basketball a lot more a lot better now than when I did when I read it for the first time. And it's fun to introduce it to new people because um, a lot of people who, not a lot, but there are some people who read my newsletter who are just kind of coming around to women's sports. Like maybe um, a lot of people were kind of, I like to say radicalized by the Women's World Cup last year, you know, and then they yeah. started questioning their own biases. So, um, you know, all of the books we read are going to be, you know, a fun look at women's sports uh, history through these wonderful books and learning more about kind of what connects us all. And so, yeah, sum it up is, is the gold standard, I think. And I think it's a great reminder that, you know, when you think of like legendary people, they didn't just like start there. They didn't just walk out of their door and they're like, I've created this legendary legacy for myself. Like it takes a lot of work. And I love that it goes into the story of, of what Pat Summit went through to get to the point that she did. Um, so yeah, everyone should just read it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm like, wait, should I be a part of book club? (laughs) Yes. Come join. I know I'm a subscriber, everybody. So be like me is basically the moral of the story. (laughs) Coming up on the other side, Lindsay and I are playing a quick game of one word. Stick around. Welcome back inside How She Did It. Amanda Smith here, still with Lindsay Gibbs, and we are playing a quick round of one word. So we're all about positivity and celebration here on How She Did It. And so I am going to give you an adjective, and then you will give me someone or something that reminds you of that. Okay. Okay. All right. It's sometimes a little hard because it's just one word. Just (laughs) one person, one thing. I mean... (laughs) incredibly nervous and feel like I'm going to fail miserably, but let's, why not? Let's do it. Because I am the show's executive producer, director, and creator, I might allow to, but I need you to ask. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I got the coffee for this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Our first word. Determined. Sorry. Or like if something you think of, like if there's an inspiration you have, you can give a little story if you want. I'm bending the rules for you. Well, look, I, look, I'm feeling already. I just like no, already you're doing great. Okay. Uh, what do I think of when I think of determined? I mean, maybe I think it's just because we were just talking about her, but the way Pat Summit built that community of Tennessee women's basketball, that was pure determination and grit. So right now, Pat Summit. Completely. No one is ever going to disagree with that. If you do, unsubscribe to my show. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I haven't had enough coffee for this. Immediately being like, bye. (laughs) I've forgotten how to to communicate. Okay. Uh, how about persistence? Diana Taurasi. 
Okay, you are just going with all these goats, and I'm here for it. I know. Uh, you, you can see, like, this is what's on my brain right now. Maybe I'm totally. Say, am I supposed to say, like, personal things? Because I don't know. <laughs> no, you can do whatever you want. Okay. I think that that's, like, kind of, like, the fun part of the game. It's like, where okay. does your brain go? Yeah. Yeah, well, right now, this is where it's going. Okay, I'm here for it. Uh, fierce. I'm trying to think of something that's different, but... Um... <laughs> I mean, I just think of, it's just a salad. Just, like, think of female athletes, period. Like, that's what the, the people I cover on a daily basis. Like, every single one of them is fierce. Capable. Huh. I love when I get a, huh. I, I know. Mean, the wheels are turning. I love it. I'm just trying to think of, like, what sounds. is, what is capable to me? Um, like, what do I think of when I think of capable? Um, like, the thing that's coming to mind right now is how resilient and capable this the women's sports community is to have thrived like the and I mean this like the community as a whole um fans and coaches and players and um the amount of like dedication it um takes to um fight these fights every day and it just takes a lot of smart people. And that's my favorite thing about what I've done the past eight, nine years is just the brilliant, capable people I've met. I love it. Last one. You're so close to the end. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, brave. Once again, it's current events, but just um, these, I, I'm kind of glued to the news right now and just the nurses and the doctors who are on the front lines right now um helping us in this global pandemic like I just can't think of anything braver than what they are doing and we all need to do our part just another yes. reminder right to all social distancing might be making us go nuts but it is the only way we can help those who are being brave on the front lines like it is it is a concrete way we can help completely yay you are such a good sport you made it through <laughs> Dude, I'm sweating a little bit. I'm sweating. You're like, oh my gosh, is it over? No, it's not over. You're answering some fan questions next. Everybody, stick around. Welcome back inside. How she did it. Amanda Smith here, still with Lindsay Gibbs. She has not left yet, but she gonna after she answers some of your guys' questions. So first up, we have M. Period Kilroy, and she says, "What was your dream job as a child, and how did that evolve into your career today?" So I wanted to be a filmmaker. I went to NYU film school. Um, well, first I wanted to be an actress and then that, that went away very quickly. Um, but yeah, I went to NYU film school and my dream was to write and direct um, fiction, fictional stories. <laughs> um, that's what I wanted to do, be it in television or in movies. And um, I graduated during a rough time to graduate. Um, 2008 and ended up um, kind of finding my way to sports writing and I've already talked through how you know I used the lens I used in film school to kind of take me in this different direction in sports reporting and you know one day I still do dream of kind of combining all of these loves I have into some um, maybe some movie or some television shows because that would be kind of the ultimate for me. Um, there's like some foreshadowing the plug. I have this on recording on March 26th for when your TV show slash movie comes out. I'm like, y'all, yes. she dropped that, <laughs> it, that, it, that was gonna happen on the show. Yes. 
<laughs> like we should all have seen it coming. I love it. Uh, to kind of build on on your career, Nicole Jones eight says, "What's the most rewarding part of your job?" Oh, by far the um, like with power plays, it's been the community that that's built. I did not expect it to be this tight, this to feel like this close of a community. Um, so quickly but the support I've gotten from everyone since the beginning and has just been remarkable um you know I have one of and everyone the way everyone really wants to help one another especially during trying times and it's so fun to bring because I think women's sports can be very siloed like you know the women's softball fans don't necessarily talk to the women's basketball fans don't necessarily talk to women's soccer fans um because you know everyone has to work so hard just to watch their one little you know their yes but uh, and there's not necessarily like a sports center bringing this all together all the time um so that's what I've enjoyed is bringing these different kind of communities together Last question today comes from Tav period W. He says, any advice for young journalists? Yes. Um, I always say, find what you're frustrated that nobody else is saying. Find the thing that you can say better than anyone else. Like find your, where you can really add to the conversation and go after those niches. You need to be be able to do a little bit of everything. When I was coming up, I would be asked to, you know, I'd be working for Bleach Report and they'd ask me to rank the top 20, you know, men's basketball teams. And I wouldn't be an expert on that, but I would find a way to study up and write, write about that. So you definitely need to be willing to take any assignment that comes your way. But I differentiated myself because um, I would see, you know, I was a big tennis fan and I would see the places didn't have tennis coverage and I would pitch it um for them because I knew I could write and then once I started being comfortable writing about a lot of gender issues in sports I started pitching those stories because they weren't being written and I was frustrated that they weren't being written and so find what and what I'm looking for in contributors to power plays are people that can write stories that I can't write right I want you to tell me what you know and why you're the person to write that and so I think use your passions and use your kind of weirdness and your unique uh, interest as your driving force. Um, never think you're too good to take any assignment um, and to, but also, you know, figure out what you're doing, what you can do that others are not doing. That's the word. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's it. <laughs> it has been so fun getting to talk to you today. I'm a huge fan of you and your work, and I can't wait to to continue to to keep up with it. I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Same here. Thank you so much for having me. And um, uh, yeah, it's just an honor. And thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much, and thank you guys for listening this week. For Lindsay Gibbs, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. 